Good morning. All right, if you could uh, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. If not, I think Luke is going to put it on the board. All right, so for the last couple weeks, we've been talking about um, the qualifications of elders. And Luke and Sam have been doing a very faithful job at, at going through those qualifications and explaining to us uh, what they mean. So we'd like to, to look at the next section, but for, for clarity's sake, I want to I read all the, first, uh, all the qualifications that we've covered in the past. So we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse uh, 7. So 1 Timothy 3, starting in verse 1. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, a husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission uh, with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest he be puffed up with pride and fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Okay, so first I want to uh, start by saying this. Um, the last couple of weeks, I've been working through this passage and studying, and it's been very challenging to me, personally. Um, there's a lot of qualifications here that we just read that I don't have, and I, I don't want to stand up here this morning and, and tell you that I've, I've figured this all out, and this is why I'm up here teaching you. Um, so we've looked through a lot of character traits we want to look at a couple more, and I, I want to bring this morning to you um, some of the qualities that I don't see in my life, but I want to exhort myself and all of you to, to look for these things, to strive for these things. So this morning I want to, um, to look and to challenge you and myself that we might work together going forward to, to see these things. Okay, so let's get into it. Verse 6. Not a novice. What is a novice? Well, uh, I think the, the primary interpretation of this is, is not a new convert. Not someone who is just saved, right? So, um, you don't want to take... Uh, Someone who's, who's inexperienced in the faith, who's, who just came to know the Lord last week, and now we're going we're gonna to take them and, and put them in a, a leadership position. Okay. Um, you guys mind? Can I take my jacket off? It's a little hotter than I was expecting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so... Um, 
in your Christian life, we need to, to build a, a foundation, a, uh, a basis of, of trusting the Lord. So I, I have an example uh, for that, and I want to um, look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse 2. It says this, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, uh, that you may grow thereby. Right? So we need to build a foundation. How do we build that foundation? You need to study God's word. The Lord has, has preserved for us in the Bible his, his opinion, his, well, not his opinion, the truth. Okay? And as, as believers, if you do not read what God has left for us, how do we mature? It's not going to happen. So God has given you the word of God. As newborn babes, read your Bible. As older believers, read your Bible. This is something that you don't uh, master in a lifetime. We, we all strive to it. Or should strive to it. Okay, so let me give you another illustration. Most of you know I'm a welder, okay? Um, I went to school to learn how to weld. Um, it wasn't something that I was born with, here, here you go, and now I know how to weld, and I'm just going to show up one day and start welding. Okay? I went to two and a half years of school to learn. And as I graduated, I wasn't the greatest welder. I was just starting. Um, and so they, they have a term for this, and, and Eric can attest to this. They call them apprentice. Uh, you start an apprenticeship, okay? You're, you're, you're the low guy on the totem pole, okay? Most of the time it involves a, a broom, okay? And a mop, okay? You clean up. You, you help and watch and observe the journeyman. And the journeyman would be the, the man who is, who is years of experience, okay? Now, as a journeyman welder, um, yeah, you do the dirty work, you clean, you, you help the other uh, journeyman, but you, you get stuck with the, the easier tasks, the, the things that don't require a skilled worker in a sense. I mean, you might know how to weld, but you, we're going to teach you. We're going to show you. Um, so you learn, at least I learn in a couple ways. Okay? I learn by doing. I learn by watching someone else do it. And then I learn by doing it wrong and then having the journeyman come alongside and say, okay, what you did is it worked. Maybe it, it didn't work the best, but here's how to do it better. Here's how to do it easier, more efficiently, or um, more precisely. Okay, well... The same thing applies in your spiritual life. You, you're not a newborn babe, as it says in Peter, and understand the greater aspects of, of a spiritual life and, and relationship with the Lord. So how do we, how do we learn how to understand deeper scriptural truth? Well, the same way an apprentice learns. You're, we call it discipleship. You know, you, you are under a, if I could call it this, a journeyman 
believer, right? Someone who has had years um, studying the Word of God uh, and, and learning from the Lord. So there's a verse for this in, uh, in 2 Timothy 2.2, so I'm stealing somebody's thunder for later. Um, but it says, uh, And these things you have heard from me among many witnesses. He's talking about the gospel. Commit these to faithful men that they may be able to teach others also. See, Timothy is talking about that apprenticeship program in a spiritual sense. Okay? Um, commit these to faithful men that they may be able to teach others also so that there's, there's characters there. The faithful man that you're looking for is a, young, is a younger believer. Okay? But it implies there's an older believer teaching others also. So the older believer be teaching the younger. There's another verse in Proverbs uh, 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. The idea here is if I've done something and Noad comes to me and says, Jake, you did it again. <laughs> okay? And he challenges me to, to change my behavior, change my, my attitude or my, my actions. He's, he's sharpening the countenance of me. I'm his friend. Sorry, Noad. Um, but that, that biblical challenge, that sharpening, is what helps you, every believer to grow. Not just, um, not just once in a while. It should be a continuous thing. You should, um, you don't just seek out issues in somebody else's life to challenge them, but in a loving way, come alongside and, and receive counsel or give counsel. Um, but that's how, that's how you mature. That's how you grow. Um, and next we, so you, you study God's word as, as Peter says, but you don't just study it. You need to apply it. It doesn't do any good to just have it here. It needs to be lived out in your life. Uh, a new believer needs to be an apprentice of the Lord Jesus and how he lived. Okay, so next, how, how else do we grow? Well, as, as an apprentice in a, in a welding world, um, it's not defined um, by your skill level. It's, it's also defined by time. You need time. Um, and, th and this is, the, I think the principle behind it is that you might be able to be a good welder in a year or two, but it doesn't, you haven't experienced other aspects of, you've never done this job before. You've never done this job. You, you haven't ever faced this challenge. Well, the same thing applies in the spiritual world. Um, it talks about trials. We all go through trials. Well, trials don't just, they don't come in a schedule. It takes life. It takes time. Um, we all face them. But um, it, they, don't, they don't come in regular intervals. You have to wait for them to come in a sense. Okay? So in Romans uh, chapter 5, 
It says this, We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance, and perseverance character. The idea here is a trial forces you to, to rely on the Lord, to rely on the Word of God. It's true. And uh, going through that, you learn to, to rely on the Word of God and to, to exercise your faith. And that exercising of your faith um, builds character. It helps you to grow. It helps you to learn to lean on the Lord. It says in Proverbs uh, 3, uh, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your, your, your path. You see, through life, we can, we can do it the way we think is best, and it's, it's, it's not always right. It's, most of the time it's not right. Because I don't have God's wisdom. I don't have God's understanding. But if I, if I were to lean on the Lord, trust the Lord, and follow what He has said in His Word and, and has taught us, it's better. Uh, and we'll look at that more uh, later. Okay, so there's another passage that talks about uh, our spiritual warfare and, and what it means to, uh, to be a believer and learning from the Lord. It, it, it's a challenge to all of us to, to apply God's Word. And one of the things it says uh, is Ephesians 6. I'm just going to read for you um, verses 12 and 13. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Now, I think the idea here as a new believer is study the Word of God. The, you can study this on your own. I don't have time to go into all the aspects here, but um, we're, we're challenged to put on the whole armor of God, and uh, that takes time. It takes time to know what they are. It takes time to practice them and to be... Um, to incorporate them into your life and to, to learn from the Lord. Okay, so the next, the next reason, why, why shouldn't we be a novice? You don't want to, to stay as a novice, right? I can, I can be an apprentice, and if I never learn, if I always, uh, we call them working mistakes, right? If you always commit those working mistakes, you don't, you don't move on, you don't grow. Um, so one of the things that you, you have to do with a, an apprentice, and the same thing is true with a, a believer, uh, you, you want to test that person. You go through, uh, depending on the company, it could be years of, of testing. Um, so if you look 
uh, in the next couple of verses in verse 10 in 1 Timothy. So 1 Timothy 3.10. It says, But let these also be tested. Let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Now, I want to I pick up on a key, key word there. It says, also. Okay? So this is... Um, it's talking about deacons, but if it says also be tested, it's implying the, the qualifications of elders, they, they must be tested. You can't just throw them in there and say, go for it. You know, it's years of testing. It must uh, be found blameless. Uh, you don't, I, I can't walk in here one day and say, oh yeah, I'm blameless. I want to be an elder. How do you, <laughs> you have to know Right? You have to know the person's character. Okay, so I have an illustration for this, and, and bear with me because I'm not married. But uh, as, as you date someone, as you, as you um, are engaged and get married, okay, um, I'm assuming you don't... Uh, you don't know the person really well as much as you think you do. I mean, because you can, you can date for years. And, and I don't know, right, Howard, Kathy, right? You guys, had a, I'm assuming you had a courtship, right? And then you get married. When you guys get married and, and you learn things about each other after marriage, right? And years later, you're still learning things about each other. Um, the same thing is true. <laughs> we had a six-year courtship. Okay. You knew each other really well. Okay. Um, but you, you need time, and then you still learn things about people, even as you move forward. Okay, so a novice needs to learn. He needs time. He needs counseling. Uh, he needs to study the Word of God. But there's a warning here. Uh, the second uh, part of, of verse 6. What happens if you don't give this person time? D don't give this person um, the needed training and you, you throw them in there. It, let's read it. Verse 6. Lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. So let's go back to my illustration, okay? As a welder, if I graduate school, and I should be a journeyman welder, but if they, if they take me and they say, okay, that's nice, you just graduated school, here's, an, uh, here's a journeyman position, do your job. Nobody's going to help you. Nobody's going to teach you. Nobody's going to do anything. And then you begin to do it. And because you're so ignorant, because you're so uh, new, you're such a novice, you don't even realize you're ruining things. You're, you're messing things up. You get this, this air of, look at me. I, I, I don't even need an apprenticeship. I, I'm doing the work of a journeyman, and... Nobody ever taught me. It's pride. 
it's, it's very misbased. But look, but look what it says. The same condemnation as the devil. So if you look at Scripture, Satan's, Satan's fall um, is pride. He tried to, to take a position that he was not qualified to have. Um, as I say, he was unworthy, right? There's only one person worthy. That's Lord Jesus Christ. But he tried to, to take that position, and it was pride. It was, it was him thinking he's qualified for a position he's not worthy of. So as, as a new believer, as a novice, we have to be careful that we don't uh, give them a, a position that is, that is above their qualification. Okay, so let's look at uh, verse 7 now. It says, Moreover, he must be of good testimony uh, or reputation among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Okay, so first I, uh, I want to uh, define for you outside. Okay? Um, I believe this means the unsaved, the unbelievers. Um, what, now, why is this important to have a, a good testimony? Well, there's a, there's a, a couple reasons, and we, we talked about them uh, in the, the class at 10 o'clock, right? Um, if this man is a hypocrite, if he lives one way, uh, say at work, and he, work, and he lives another way in front of the saints, uh, he's, he's living the life of a hypocrite. He's not... Uh, living the way the Lord wants us to live. If a believer's life does not line up with what he says he believes, then we, we have to question, does he really believe what he says he believes? Does he really... Um, Does he really understand what the Lord has done? Okay, so uh, for a minute I want to look at the Lord Jesus. There's something that really struck me in the last um, couple weeks. Uh, you, you might ask right now, Jake, you're supposed to be talking about the qualification of elders. You're supposed to be talking about the Lord Jesus. But look, I, I want to I bring to your attention uh, a verse. It said, the, it, it said of the Lord, he is a chief shepherd. And as, as the elders, um, what, a better, what greater example do we have than looking at the chief shepherd? This is the man that uh, the Lord Jesus, that we all, as believers, are supposed to uh, live our lives uh, following. 
but even more so the elders. Um, they, they are an example to the rest of us of, of how we should live. So in, in Philippians 2, and I'm going to start reading in verse 5. This is, we want to look at the, the, the heart of the Lord Jesus. We want to look at the character of the Lord Jesus. So Philippians 2, verse, starting in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow to those in heaven, to those on earth, and to those under the earth, that, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we want to look at the heart of Jesus. The Lord, it says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So there's your challenge. This is, this is the Lord Jesus, um, and, and we are to, to have the same mindset as, as him. Here's God, manifest in the flesh. He doesn't come and say, here I am. Look at me. Worship me. He doesn't say that. What does he do? He comes. He humbles himself. He washes the disciples' feet. This man is the, the, the one and only person that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. But he doesn't shove it down our throat. He humbles himself. He went to the cross and he died because I sinned. Because you sinned. It says he humbled himself even to the death of the cross. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he still humbled himself for you. I want to look at a verse in Isaiah. Uh, This is chapter 40, verse 11. This is the Lord Jesus. It's speaking of the Lord Jesus. It says, He will feed His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with His arm and carry them in His bosom and gently lead those who are young or with young. Now, uh, I cleared this with Angelo, so uh, bear with me, but uh, he's a, he comes from a shepherd background. Okay? Now, as uh, it's talking about the Lord being a shepherd here. Okay? But look at how it says it. It says, uh, He will carry them in His bosom. What does that mean? If you can imagine, I'm, I have a lamb, and I'm holding that lamb 
next to my chest, okay, right here. It's very personal. It's not the normal way to carry a lamb, okay? Angelo can attest, usually when you find a lamb, they're, you don't carry them this way. It's hard to carry something heavy this, like this. You put it on your shoulders, right? We call it a fireman's carry or whatever. The idea of the legs on your shoulders and you're holding it and you can carry it a long distance that way. It doesn't say that. It says the Lord Jesus carries him here. To me, it speaks of a caringness of the Lord. He doesn't uh, show up with a, uh, his, his staff and scream and yell and hit me. He carries me right next to his chest. A caring, loving Lord. A caring shepherd. So to, to beat the sheep, it's not, it's not in the Lord at all. It's not how He, he treats us. Um, okay, here's another passage. In, uh, Luke, can you put this on the screen? It's, it's John uh, 10. I'm going to read 1 through, through 16, so bear with me. I... Follow along if I misread it, okay? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not, under, uh, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who um, ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am a good shepherd. The, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is uh, not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. And the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Lord knows me, as, excuse me, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life 
for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So let me, I know this is a long passage, I want to, to, to pull out some points here that I think are very key. It says that the shepherd, uh, that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Now, Luke and I were talking about this the other day, and he, he mentioned this video about uh, a shepherd, and it, and it shows a, uh, a shepherd with some of his friends and a whole bunch of sheep, and they're some distance away. And this shepherd uh, says to his, his friends, okay, call the sheep, tell them to come here. And you see these people calling to the sheep, and no response. And the next person, calling to the sheep, a little differently, no response. Again and again. And finally, the shepherd says, okay. And he calls the sheep. And they don't just kind of, okay, well, here we come. They perk and run straight to him. Run straight to him. Now, as believers, how does this apply to us? Well, how do we know the, the, the voice of the Lord? Well, he's given it to us. But how do we, we need to know the difference between what the Lord has said and what others say, what men say. But the only way you can tell the difference between what the Lord says and what men say is if you study what the Lord says and you listen carefully to what men say. Does it contradict? Examine the scripture. So we need, again, it goes back to that you need to know, you need to study the Word of God. As elders, they need to study the Word of God so they can tell this too. It talks about, um, he says, I am the door. Okay, There's many things that a door does. One of those things is my door at home has a couple deadbolts in it. Okay, I can lock it. What's that do? It keeps other people out of my house. The same thing is true with the Lord. He's, he protects us. The elders protect the flock from, from danger, from wolves. And what, what can these wolves be in, in today's terms? Be, it could be somebody as a false teacher coming in those doors. They protect uh, us from um, listening to, to harmful theology or, or teaching. It's, it's the elder's job to, to protect this congregation. You know, Don and Howard and, and Eric spend countless hours protecting the flock, shepherding the flock. Okay, and then in verse 10, it says, and this is again going back to the, the heart of the Lord, it says, I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I, I hear so many times, I don't want to become a believer because my life's going to be boring, ho-hum. That's not what this says here. The Lord says, I want you to come to me that you might have life, spiritual life, and that you might have it more abundantly. This is not something that's just boring. 
the Lord makes your life better. The, uh, the elders, I've heard this before, the elders, why would I want to submit to the elders? They're just these three guys that are just going to tell me what to do and, and make my life miserable. They're just going to dictate to me what I'm going to do. Well, the, the elders live before the Lord. They have to give an account for your soul. They're not going to dictate. The Lord does not dictate to us what we do. The elders do not dictate to you what you must do. If, if you seek counsel they, in a loving way, just as we, we see with the Lord, they're going to shepherd you, comfort you, challenge you in a loving way. I, I can personally stand here and tell you I've witnessed that and I've been a, a recipient of that multiple times. Okay? Now, again, this goes back to the Lord Jesus. It says, uh, the chief shepherd, he is, he's laid down his life for the sheep. Do you realize the Lord Jesus doesn't, he's not a hypocrite. What he says, he does. He loves you. It says in Romans, we looked at, uh, actually a couple times this morning. Let's turn there. It's Romans 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope, in, in hope of uh, the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations uh, produce perseverance, and uh, perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, has given, who was given to us. For when we... We're still without strength in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. You see, the Lord Jesus didn't love you when you were his best friend. He didn't love you when you were a good man, a righteous man. He died for you. He loved you when you were his enemy. This is the character of Jesus. This is the way elders should care for the flock. The same way Jesus died for you, the elders should have the character 
to sacrifice maybe not their physical life, but their time, their sleep. They do that for you, for me. The Lord didn't stop at his time, his sleep. He gave his life for the flock. He's that good shepherd that that wolf came and was threatening you and me. And he, he went after that wolf and he conquered it. For the past few weeks, we've looked at the qualifications of elders and we have seen the character traits that they must, they must have. But every believer should have these character qualities. But in, in Timothy, it is laid out that the, the elders must have these character qualities. The Lord had these qualities. And that, that as believers, we should all strive to be as, as much like the Lord as possible. So this morning, I want to leave you with this. Truly look at your life. Look at this list of things. How do you, how do you line up? I'll tell you right now, I fall very short. But it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. I don't think it stops at wisdom. If you lack anything, let him ask of God. So ask yourself, what is holding me back? If you're on the outside, what is holding you from returning the love that the Lord has for you? If you are a believer this morning, The Lord wants you to have the qualifications of elders. He wants you to live a victorious Christian life. What is stopping you? Is it pride? Let's pray. Lord, we come here this morning humbled before you. Lord, we want to see our, our, our lives changed by you. Lord, we want to have the character qualities that elders must have. Lord, we want to, uh, to honor you with the way we, we live before men and before you. So Lord, we pray you would help us in your name.